after this upcoming weekend, it's no longer holiday central, so I actually have time. You're listening to Love Ya, the podcast adventure through the wide, wide world of the, of streaming teen rom-coms. I am your host, Martha Sullivan, teen librarian and YA lit expert, and I am joined, as always, with my co-host. I'm Marn Hagman, adult librarian and rom-com expert. And we are here today to talk about the perennial favorite the movie that introduced the world to one Anne Hathaway The Princess Diaries Uh, this movie came out in 2001 it was directed by Gary Marshall it was written uh, by Meg Cabot who also wrote the novel that the movie was adapted from and Gina Wendkos uh, and stars as I said Anne Hathaway in her big screen debut uh, the inimitable Julie Andrews, Hector Elizondo, Heather Matarazzo, Mandy Moore for some reason, which I totally forgot about, <laughs> um, Carolyn Goodall, Robert Schwartzman, um, Sandra O oh as an appearance as the vice principal, uh, just a whole lot of people that have gone on over the next 20 years, because that's where we're at now. Uh, to make just some really excellent stuff. Uh, Marn, I'm going to go ahead and assume that this was not your first time watching this movie. Oh, this was, we're in at least double digits, if... (laughs) (laughs) And it might not even be, like, in the teens. This may be, like, 20s or 30s, so... (laughs) I've seen this movie a number of times. I do not know that it's been that many for me, um, but I have definitely seen this movie a handful of times. Yeah, so clearly this movie is a favorite for both of us. So I don't think we need to spend all that much time um, getting into why, but it would help our listeners perhaps if I told any of you, if on the off chance, on the very slim chance that there are any of you out there that have not seen this movie yet, First of all, if you're listening to this podcast, you should see it. So, you know, pause now and go watch it. Um, It's available on Disney+. Plus. You can also rent it for $3 on Amazon Prime. Uh, Should you choose not to do that, The Princess Diaries is a movie about 15-year-old Mia Thermopolis, played by Anne Hathaway, who is, as far as she knows, a totally normal teenager growing up in San Francisco, California, uh, until Julie Andrews, her... Uh, mysterious grandmother shows up out of nowhere to tell her that actually I am the queen of the fake country Genovia and you are my granddaughter and also my only living heir uh, and thus the heir to the throne of Genovia. Uh, The rest of the movie deals with Mia's identity crisis as she learns to live with this brand new information about her identity uh, and leads to her ultimately deciding uh, to accept this position as the crown princess uh, and learn to rule a country. 
It has a stellar sequel, which also includes my Hollywood boyfriend, Chris Pine, uh, which I had to restrain myself from just watching immediately after this movie was over. <laughs> See, okay, you are the second person today I've had this conversation with. Of, I am actually not that fond of the sequel. Um <gasps> Yeah, and I think it's because I don't love Chris Pine as much as other people. You are the second no. person today who I, <laughs> who has expressed their love for the sequel to The Princess Diaries based on their love of Chris Pine. I love Chris Pine. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I have any great excuse for it. I don't know. I just, I find him very endearing. Um, I think he does, I think he, he brings a lot of pathos whenever he is in an action-oriented role to me. Um, and I just, I his, his combination of a little bit smarmy, but also endearing in the sequel really works for me. I don't know. That's fair. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sticking with this original... Yeah. Um, do we, I was trying to think, do you remember the first time you saw it? Because I really don't, but I'm imagining that it must have been on the Disney Channel. Um, no, I think it was widely released in theaters. Or, or are you oh, saying no, the sh- first time you watched it? The first time I watched oh, it. Gotcha, I, gotcha. I know it. Yeah, I know it had a wide release. I just don't know that I saw it in the theater. Because this movie came out in 2001. Um, which would have made me fourteen. Yeah, so I would have been going into seventh grade, and I think I have a memory of this movie because I saw it. I'm pretty confident in the theater right before I moved to England. Um, and I just remember. I don't know why I have such a vivid memory of watching an interview with Anne Hathaway on the Disney Channel before this movie came out and thinking, wow, I have to go see this movie. Um, And then I went and saw it and loved it. And then when I moved to England, my friends, I had never heard of the Princess Diary books. I didn't realize there were books. But my friends, when I moved to England, were super into them. Um, And so I think somewhere... In my parents' house, there's probably still a British edition of the fourth book of The Princess Diaries, because I, like, tore through them. Um, yeah, and I just, I I remember it so vividly in my place in life, because it was such, like, a bonding thing of, like, making these new friends through being like, I really like this movie. Oh, you should read this book. Oh, I really like this book. So... I, that's why I have such, like, a vivid memory of its place in my life. Well, and I was 14, like I said. So I was a freshman in, in high school. And I am wondering, when I, was, when I was in high school, I was such a I'm not like other girls kind of girl. Okay. That I'm wondering, I'm wondering if when this movie came out, I was like, I'm... Like, I don't want to watch a movie about a princess. That's too girly for me. <laughs> Which, you know, as an adult human, I that, that's dumb. But I think that may have been how I felt as a 14-year-old. So it would have been something that I caught on TV 
slightly later. I definitely didn't read the books until after I had seen the movie. And I I will admit to you, Marin, my friend, and our <laughs> listening audience, I don't like the books as much as the movie. <gasps> no. I don't like Mia as much in the novels. I like her. I don't know if it's Anne Hathaway, like how much I like Anne Hathaway, but I don't know. I got no excuse for it. Oh, see, I love Mia of the books. She's much more, I mean, Anne Hathaway is obviously charming in this. I mean, it launched a, a massive career for a reason, but I just found Mia so charming and relatable in the books because she's much more... She's much less put together. She's much more neurotic and, like, all over the place. And I related to that so hard. Uh, yeah, movie Mia, movie Mia does a little bit suffer from, I'm supposed to believe that people think that Anne Hathaway is a freak? I don't understand. Yeah, like, I don't understand how frizzy hair means that people... Yeah don't see that she's gorgeous. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's a very common fallacy in teen movies that feature a makeover scene. Although um, this, it, this isn't a makeover scene to be all makeover scenes. I love this makeover scene. <laughs> it is very good. I um, just love I the love- moment where he breaks her glasses. <laughs> And she says, you broke my glasses. And he says, well, you broke my brush. Because apparently her hair is so thick and curly that trying to take a wooden hairbrush through it actually breaks the brush at the handle, which I loved. I just find that so charming. Um, So I would like to talk a little bit about Mandy Moore in this movie. It turns out I'm obsessed with her in this movie. Oh, um, yeah. Because, first of all, why is she there? Okay, so if um, I'm remembering correctly, this was the point in her career at which she had already had a major, you know, several major singles. Um, and I can't remember. I do believe this is it's either right before or right after A Walk to Remember. Oh, this is okay. before the walk to remember. Okay, that makes much more sense. So are you looking at her? Are you looking at her filmography right now? Yes. Where is this relative to saved? I know it's before, but how much before? I think. Uh, three years before. So she did okay. Princess Diaries: The Walk to Remember. Oh, let's not forget the classics: How to Deal and Chasing Liberty. <laughs> Does she sing in Chasing Liberty? Not that I remember. Because I I was wondering watching this movie because there is a scene randomly where she and two other um, very cute cheerleaders sing at a beach party, which is bizarre for a lot of reasons. But it made me wonder if at this point in her career, she had a clause in her contract that said that she must sing in the movie. Well, I think that was probably a single that came out. Because, I mean, at this time, she was definitely a pop star and this, sure and this was definitely her pivot to trying to be a actress as well um so i can imagine that she that was like her in 
um, was like, well, we'll let you come in and sing, and maybe that will generate some good buzz, and you can be on the soundtrack, and I guess you can act. Huh. Um, and I, I think probably on the strength of that, she got the Walk to Remember part. And I'm sorry, you just said Walk to Remember was before this? After this. After this. So this was really her first on-screen movie role. It's kind of wild to think about her career trajectory. Right? I mean, also Academy Award-winning Anne Hathaway. Right? This is where they both start. Also, Um, Sandra Oh! (laughs) Well, Sandra Oh had been acting a lot in Canada before she transitioned to the U.S., Right, right. No, I just I just love that this was a time in which Sandra O oh has a bit part. True, true. It's kind of like how Allison Janney has a bit part in 10 Things I Hate About You, which is inarguably one of my favorite things about that movie. Oh, it's so good. Did we have we talked about that movie on this podcast yet? I don't know. I think it was on the the other podcast. I have talked with you and Pete about it. Oh, yeah, because we, we definitely did a Shakespeare yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, Where you got to understand, movie. like, the depths of Shakespearean nerdiness that happened over here at House Hagberg. It was incredible. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I, I, oh. oh. I was just going to say, I yeah, I love the fact that this movie just, like, has a bit part for Sandra O oh and has both Anne Hathaway and Mandy Moore's, like, the start of their careers. Also, I think this is the first role that Julie Andrews had in quite a while. Um, I think I had read that she took a big pause. I can't remember if this is when her husband died. I was going to say, because she, her husband died, um, and then did she, was she sick? Did she have cancer? Well, she had something happen to her voice, which is why she doesn't sing. And then the second right. one only sings, like, very... She has, like, that one song, and she's almost more, like, sing-songy. Um, but, yeah, she had a small... She had... Okay. I guess this wasn't her... This was her first big role since 1991. I mean that's ten years. Yeah. So yeah, so she had she had taken some time off. Um Oh, okay, no, her husband hadn't died then. He died later. I think this was just with her singing. Yeah. Anyway. Um but yeah, so this movie's got like a a storied place and a certain trajectory of film. It is Definitely, I mean, it's it's got to be formative for a lot of us, right? <laughs> like, oh, how could it not be? I do think it's interesting that it only has a 6.2 out of 10 rating on IMDb. And a Metascore, a Metascore critic average of uh, 52. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, we as a society shit on anything teen girls love, so. God, isn't that the truth? Um, a lot of people calling it unoriginal, which 
seems rough because it's, I mean, it's a fairy tale. We, I, I don't know that fairy tales necessarily must be original in order for me to be on their side. Yeah, no. And I don't think it needs to be because it's, yeah, it's it's updating a fairy tale. It's not adding something entirely new to the canon. Yeah. Um, I love Heather Matarazzo in her role as the BFF. Although, well, no, not although. She is that very specific kind of teen activist that I feel like we all either were or were friends with at some point. See, I actually, I find her character in this probably the most frustrating. Um, Oh, for sure. I mean, I think she's supposed to be frustrating. Yeah, so I... Yeah, I'm... I don't love Lily, um... But... Yeah, I guess I... I mean, I guess maybe I was that type of teen? I don't know. (laughs) I was... Fun fact about me, I was voted... You know how, like, in high school yearbooks they do, like, superlatives... Yeah. Um, and my, and it was actually kind of an honor because you had to like vote in based on the superlative. Um, so apparently what my high school class remembered about me was that I was the most political. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so, oh, maybe I resent Lily because I was Lily. Because you were Lily? (laughs) Um, I think the most frustrating part for me about this movie, I think, is Lily's brother. Um, Or not not even Michael. He's fine. But um, Mia's... The development of Mia's relationship to him, I find very frustrating because there isn't really any development. Like, he, he has a crush on her through the whole movie. Um, and she, through the whole movie, is crushing on the, like, hot sport guy who is dating Mandy Moore until he isn't. Um, and then it feels, it almost feels like we needed at least one more scene between her humiliation at that boy's hands and her deciding that Michael is actually the one for her. Yeah, there definitely needed to be another moment. Um Cause- Otherwise, it does just end up feeling to me a little bit like, oh, well, I know you like me. So. And I will say, I think this is what, and not to like harp on bringing up the books all the time. I don't mean to do that. But I I do think this was a part where this screenplay was weaker than the books. Um, Because in the books, Mia has a thing for Michael the whole time. True. Uh, And she does have a thing with Josh. She gets kind of distracted by her new popularity. And, like, because she thinks Michael will never like her back, she um, kind of gets caught up with Josh. But, like, I think it was much more realistic to have the, like, they both have crushes on each other and just won't say it. Um... But I will say, I mean, for you, I think this is a nice inversion of, like, having, um, 
like, Mia doesn't just go along with, you know, realizing that the, the guy who has been crushing on her is actually the one who is nice to her and treats her well, rather than him being, like, pushy about it. True. And the the scene where she tries to make up for, like, the scene where she asks him to come to the Independence Ball with her, um, and he... And he blows her off, I think rightfully so, because up until that point, she's been so into the other guy, I think is honestly devastatingly, or honestly devastating. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and also a a moment that I really was on his side rather than hers. Like, yeah, Mia, he's he has feelings too. He you know, He doesn't just have to be there when you have decided that he should be there for you. Yeah, I um, really I really liked that the movie let her kind of have to wallow in Oh no, I messed up. Um and then the pizza she sends him is really cute. Oh, that's super cute. Although wouldn't M&Ms on pizza actually taste good? I mean, be very convinced. gross. Be very gross actually. Yeah, it um, looks very cute. But I was think well, as I was seeing it, I was like, I actually don't think that would ever be good. Well, and they're a cute callback to the Skittles that are on his keyboard when he's playing the first time that we see him. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it was a nice like thoughtful gesture. Yeah, it showed that she was paying attention. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think we needed more, like, even if it was just, like, to see them being friends. Um, I kind of wish that the conflict had been between her and Lily rightfully not wanting her best friend to date her brother, which I think is kind of what happens in the book. So actually, in the book, Lily thinks it's really funny that they both have huge crushes on each other and won't admit it. And treats it like a science experiment to see how long it will go on before they finally admit. Um, But yeah, it definitely does cause tension in their their friendship later on. Um, But yeah, I think Lily in the books is just kind of like, oh, this is funny. (laughs) Yeah, she is a little more um, analytical. Or scientific in the, a little less, um, what am I trying to say? She's not as much of an activist, is she? No, because there's like a whole thing of both their parents are psychotherapists. Uh, Oh yeah, because she shows up, she goes to a Halloween party dressed as a Freudian slip. Yes! Which is a scene that I I remember with almost perfect clarity. Oh yes, that's so good. But yeah, in the book they have a big, and sorry, Pete, you can cut this because we don't need to wade into the details of the show. But in the book they actually have a big falling out because the first guy Lily has a big crush on and dates, JP. Mia ends up dating after she and Michael break up. Um, Oh, party foul. Exactly. Well, and Lily lies to her and says that it's okay, slash Mia should have known better, but Mia takes her at her word that it's okay. I was going to say, I, I would like to retract my criticism because if, you know, don't don't tell somebody one thing and mean another. Yeah. Yeah, kind of shame on both of them. Um, 
Yeah, but yeah, in the books they have this big falling out. I mean, I think there's some tension because of, like, Mia and Michael. But yeah, Mia and Michael break up because um, Mia's, like, super insecure and thinks Michael's cheating on her with this girl from college. Um, and then, um, yeah, Mia starts dating this guy that Lily, like, that kind of dumped Lily for her. Anyway. So, quick quick side note, um, my husband Bill has just told me that the boy in Princess Diaries, meaning the actor who plays Michael Moskowitz, Robert Schwartzman, uh, is the lead singer for a band called Rooney, uh, which made me pull up his IMDb prof or his IMDb biography. Oh, he's a Coppola. Um, he is a Coppola. Um, and he is also doing his own playing in the movie. He got the role because of his uh, musical talent. Oh, interesting. Well, and I believe his band touring schedule is why he couldn't appear in the sequel. And they got Chris yes. Pine. Uh, a little piece of additional trivia. The movie also features a scene with a section from the song Blue Side that Robert wrote and is a real song for his band. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he's Sofia Coppola's cousin because truly, <laughs> truly, you cannot you cannot escape them. You cannot. You cannot. It's impossible in Hollywood. Everything is Kevin Bacon degrees or less from the Coppolas. <laughs> it's true. Um. Any other, any other thoughts on the Princess Diaries? Um, how do we feel about, um, the whole storyline where Mia gets mad at her mom for not telling her about being a princess? Um, cause I'm kind of torn. Like on one hand, I totally see her mom's point of view, but on the other hand, that seems like a pretty big omission. I, yeah, I did not care for it um especially there's a there's a part where we find out that her dad has only been dead for two months yeah which is shocking to me like i i would have expected her to have more feelings about the fact that she didn't like i, I really wonder what her mother told her about her dad because he was not present voluntarily in her life for like the majority of like her whole life. Um, and that seems like kind of a hard thing. If you don't have the context for why that seems like a really hard thing for a teenager to get over. Yeah. And like not giving her, like you said, the context of like your dad has to rule a country like that's yeah. why we broke up, and that's why it's really difficult for you to see him. It's just, nope, your dad's an absent deadbeat, and we are weirdly okay with this. Like, I I don't know. I That seemed really simplistic to me. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that there are, I'm sure there are people for whom that is a reality, and they are, like, I don't, I don't want to speak to anyone else's experience with that. Um but it was the kind of thing in a film that did not make for a like believable or satisfying. It was just like, we need her to be disinterested because plot. 
Right. Right. And, like, we needed, you know, Philippe ex machina to, like, have his little voiceover and make her change her mind about being the princess of Genovia when she finds a letter written by him. Yeah, which I think might have been a more effective scene if they'd had more of a relationship. Right. And, like, the fact that we know the only relationship they have had are these letters. Yeah, and the occasional ridiculous birthday present. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it didn't even sound like they'd ever even talked on the phone. So, yeah, I, I don't know how else you do secret princess reveal. But if you are going to do Secret Princess Reveal, I think you have to work a little harder for it. Oh, yeah. Like, even if it had been Julie Andrews forbade us from telling you. Right. Or, like, there was someone threatening you. Or even he was... Like, maybe, maybe his wedding, maybe his next wedding was coming up. Right. And like, like, really anything. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than just, didn't feel like it. Yeah. Or that, like, you're not entitled to this information. Because we, and I can see one thing of, like, not wanting to publicize it. Or maybe not telling her when she's young enough. To not understand a secret. Like, I understand, like, keeping it secret so she's out of the eye of the press. But. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that the plot works if she knows where she comes from. Yeah, like, the plot needs this to happen. But there might have been an easier, not easier, but there might have been a better way or a more effective way of doing it. Right. Um, all that said, this is not something that I think about when I am engaged with watching the movie. <laughs> this is all stuff. This is all stuff that occurs to me after the fact. So while the movie is happening, I am totally willing uh, to engage in the suspension of disbelief. <laughs> well, and as her mom, that actress is just like so believable as like kooky hippie San Franciscan artist lady that um you buy it yeah for sure which by the way that actress is in did you ever see the white queen or the white princess i did not um she plays like the opposite of this character in that um she plays a very terrifying queen dowager or actually, Queen Mother. Opposite. Role reverse of Julie Andrews. She plays the Queen Mother. Um, I I kind of love that for her, though. Yeah. Um, and she and this is, it's set in the Middle Ages. It's based on um, some Philip Gregory books, so it takes place during the War of the Roses. Highly recommend it. It's on Stars. I think maybe you can watch it on Amazon Prime for free. It might be because they have like a weird partnership with Stars where some things you can watch. But yeah, highly recommend it. The White Queen. But yeah, she plays, that actress plays Cecily Neville, the Queen Dowager, and she just like, or the Queen Mother, and she just like, is so regal. It's so funny to like compare that to this. Uh, so I think it is safe to say that we would both recommend this movie. Oh yeah, everyone should see this movie. (laughs) 
Uh, in addition to this movie, what should our readers check out? So I'm actually going to recommend, and I don't know if this is too close to the source material, but in 2015, Wikipedia is telling me, I believe, um, Meg Cabot actually wrote a sequel featuring Mia as a 26-year-old. Um, and I just reread it yesterday, and it's lovely. It's called Royal Wedding. It's the 11th book of the series. Um, there are so it, many of these things. There are so many of these things. Um, but yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah, 2015. It's wonderful. It features Mia as a grown-up trying to navigate um, getting engaged to Michael, but being um, freaked out that he's going to break up with her before they actually get engaged trying to navigate her dad. So her dad is actually alive in the books and is a major character throughout all of them. Um, so she's trying to navigate that um, her dad needs to win the election to become Prime Minister of Genovia again um, and finds out she has a secret half-sister and all this stuff. And, and all the while planning a wedding. It's lovely. Royal wedding. I would highly recommend it. It is the Princess Diary grown-up sequel we deserve. Sorry, Princess Diaries 2 and Chris Pine. and There yeah. is room in my heart for both a literary sequel and also <laughs> a cinematic sequel. <laughs> That's fair. Um, my, recommendation, my recommendation is also very much in the same vein. The Royal We by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan. Uh, who also run the fashion blog Go Fug Yourself, which is hysterical. Uh, but The Royal We is a semi-fictionalized uh, version of the relationship between Prince William and uh, Duchess Kate, only in The Royal We, the, po the POV character uh, Bex is an American girl studying in Oxford who meets the crown prince of Britain, or of England, uh, does not know that he is the prince when she meets him, uh, but eventually learns it, and they date through college, um, and is sort of the story of the development of their relationship and how she uh, deals with suddenly becoming royalty. Um, I believe they have a sequel coming out. I was just looking that up. It's coming out in June. Which I am thrilled about. Um... Yeah, I think this book is adorable. I think the characters are great. Uh, Bex also has a twin sister, so there are a lot of really good family dynamics. Um, and also, the two of them are just really great comedy writers. So you get a lot of really good heartfelt and also funny uh, moments in it. So if you are looking for some uh, more... Um, not quite secret princess, but, you know, I was normal and now I'm royalty romance. I definitely recommend you check out The Royal We. I second uh, that recommendation. We... It is wonderful. <laughs> uh, what are we watching for next time? Uh, so next time we will be watching a movie that's also based on a Meg Cabot story. Um, Ice Princess, starring Michelle Trachtenberg. Um... And I believe her. her just immediately post-Buffy life. 
I was going to say from her Disney days. From her she Disney did, days. She did a couple of Disney originals there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we'll be back in two weeks with Ice Princess, which you can catch um, streaming on Disney+. Plus. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you all had a lovely new year. We're glad to be back. And we will see you shortly. Uh, in the meantime, you can enjoy, while you are waiting for this, our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework, which updates on the same feed opposite us. Uh, we took last week off, um, similar to Love Ya, but we will be back next week with our first episode of the new year. You can follow us on social media on all the places at DYDYH Podcast. We are most active on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, you can follow me on social media uh, at all the places at Magical Martha. Uh, and you can also read my newsletter, which I publish mm, roughly whenever I feel like it. Uh, you can find that at tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. Where can people find you, Marin? Um, so people can find me on Twitter at A underscore star underscore danced, uh, where I tweet a lot about pop culture and the state of Minnesota and maps. I do really enjoy your Minnesota life tweets. Well, thank you. I try. Which I, which I say wholly, wholly seriously and without sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, we love you. How's your voice doing? It hurts real bad. Oh no. <laughs>